The Roots team is proud to bring you Strengthen Your Roots, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into connecting with teammates on topics like leadership, as well as personal and professional skill building. Welcome back for this month's episode of Strengthen Your Roots. I'm John Kaufmel, a financial officer in the Storm Lake office, and today we're continuing our sub-series where Roots members will be spending time connecting with business units that serve unique customer groups and markets in a series titled Bridging the Gap. Our goal is to help teammates gain a broader understanding of how we fit into the ag industry and the value we can provide. I'd like to remind our listeners to stay tuned later in our discussion for the podcast ponder question, where listeners will have a chance to add their input and yammer for an opportunity to win prizes. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Darren Mercer and Abby Jacobson from the finance team. Abby and Darren, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Sure. I'm Abby Jacobson, and I've been with the association about 10 years. I started out in our country home loan side for about seven years, and I've been on the finance team for about three yeah, I'm Darren Mercer. I've been here for about nine and a half years myself uh, as well. Um, I actually started in farm credit almost 20 years ago. I worked for FCA as a bank examiner for um, almost eight, a little over eight years. Then I went to Capital Farm Credit down in Texas and led their audit and review teams for almost three years. Uh, then I came to FCS America and Frontier. Uh, like I said, about nine and a half years ago, I led uh, some risk management teams, enterprise risk, portfolio management. And then I moved over to finance about two and a half years ago. Perfect. So a lot, a lot of experience sitting at the table there. To get us started, uh, would you guys uh, kind of like to dive in and give us uh, just a broad overview of uh, the farm credit funding system, kind of how the flow of funds work? I mean, how uh, how the money goes from Wall Street to our customers' pockets? Yeah, you bet. So um, really, it starts like you said. It starts with the customer. They come to one of the one of our loan officers or financial officers, and you know, ask for a loan. Uh, then it comes through the finance team, and we have you know processes that nightly send a file to AgriBank or CoBank of here's the the type of debt we need. Uh, those two two bank institutions will then take all that information. They do their asset liability management. They don't take a whole lot of risk, uh, but they really pull all that uh, data together from all the associations within uh, the, each bank's district and say, okay, based upon this, how much debt do we need? different types of instruments to fund those loan assets for the farmers and ranchers. Um, They then in turn go to the uh, funding corporation, which is out in Jersey City, and say, here's the debt we need to fund those loans. The funding corp will then take that information from the four different funding banks across uh, the, the country, all those different loans that have funneled through in that one day, and then say, okay, based on that, what type of debt do we need to issue? So they'll actually work with uh, different bond investors to sell bonds on the financial market that will fund those assets. So a lot of your big banks or investment firms are involved in those type of transactions and will underwrite it, like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, or uh, you know a lot of the big players are involved in this. And these bonds are then sold on the open market. Anybody can purchase them. I mean, they'll go all over the world, actually, different, you know, Investors, investors from different countries will purchase those bonds. Once we get that those bonds sold, then it goes back the same way. It'll go from the funding corp to the banks to the association, and then we fund that asset and get that money out to our farmers and ranchers. Yeah, so I've always thought that's one of the coolest things where you know money from all over the world is funneling back into you know rural America that uh, you know goes to the the farmers and ranchers you know in, in small towns all over the world, and it could be a, an investor overseas. Uh, whose money kind of starts it. So 
Is there anything you want to elaborate on there, uh, Abby, or uh, you, did Darren cover that pretty well? I think you did a good job. I don't think I have anything to add to that. Perfect. We're teeing off on that. We'll uh, move into the next one. Um, how's the process work from the time when the officer gets the rate sheet at 8 p.m. to uh, the next cycle the next day? I mean, how does the process work from the time when officers get the rate sheet at 8 p.m. to the next cycle of rate sheets the next day? Sure. So every afternoon, um, late in the afternoon, we get updated cost of funds from um, from our funding banks. And today we have kind of an, an old spreadsheet where finance teammates are manually putting that information into a spreadsheet. And those are those new rates are being pushed out to our systems and to officers in the evening. Um, we're actually working on a project right now to automate all of that. So. Um, all those inputs from the funding bank and the funding corp will be automated. Those calculations will be run, and um, it's going to be a really streamlined, database-driven process. So that all happens late afternoon, and then the rate sheets go about go out about eight o'clock at night. Yeah, I, I would just add that you know part of that process is you know that information comes in, and then within um, it's driven by Alco or Asset Liability Committee. They, they determine, you know, what spread do we need on the different loan products, operating real estate, the different size buckets, if you will. Um, we have to look at a few things. What is, like Abby said, our cost of debt? So what is that debt instrument that the bank charges us after the funding corp says, here's what those bonds would probably sell for in the market? So they take that information, add a, add a little spread for themselves to for operational costs. Um, and then we, we look at, we have to think about patronage. There's 100 basis points right there that we need to capture. Allowance for loan losses, that'd be a couple basis points or higher depending on the type of loan product and the, and the risk in the, in the customer's portfolio. Um, then we also have to look at FIXIC, which is farm credit system insurance. That's 12 to 14 basis points. So there's these different components that we have to capture on top of that just to break even. We haven't even talked about operating costs yet. So that's on top of it as well. So we look at that information. It's automated today, but that's the type of stuff that's behind the scenes to say here for these this real estate loan, this operating loan, installment loan, here's what we need from a profit standpoint. And that's added in, and that's what you see on the final rate sheet. So you guys aren't uh, locked in your offices till 8 p.m. every night um, waiting to hit send. No, we're, <laughs> we're there at 7.58 and then we leave. Um, yeah. <laughs> No, it, it's all so, it's all d done. Abby and Amy and, and Zach, they do that every day about three o'clock, four o'clock. Yeah, around four o'clock. Yeah. yeah. For uh, teammates who maybe aren't as familiar with the pricing sheet or uh, don't deal with interest rates on a day to day basis. Uh, could you explain uh, what a basis point or uh, some people call it BIP, what uh, that is exactly? Yeah, a BIP is 0.01 percent. Perfect. So, no, good to know some. Uh, background on that it's not just uh rates aren't moving based on darren's mood for the day there uh there's actually some uh, uh math behind it so <laughs> there is some math yeah I, I get a little cranky in the afternoon so we definitely want to do yeah. that <laughs> somebody get him a snickers <laughs> then for uh all of the different products and loans we offer um whether it's a pca itl you know a flca real estate no egg direct uh egg cap all our different products how does pricing differ between all the different products 
Um, does the same team manage all that? Uh, what goes into, uh, you know, the similarities and differences on your guys' end for all the different uh, loan products we offer? Sure. The finance team, uh, we all try to cover all these different areas, but we do have areas where we kind of specialize. Uh, so all of us work on generating those different rate sheets. Uh, for the PCA and the FLCA, um, really the FLCA side, we're able to use a little bit less spread since we have better collateral with that real estate. Those are sent out each day. The difference with our corporate lending rate sheets is that we actually don't provide a final rate on those. We provide a cost of funds, and then each of those sales teammates works with their leader, and they usually have um, team goals for spread. So that's one kind of distinction with our corporate lending. Um, also on our corporate lending, we tend to have some of those larger transactions that are hitting the $10 million mark. And so the finance team is involved. We order special pricing with our funding banks for those. And then for AgDirect, those rate sheets are actually just generated one time a month. And so that's one distinction with those. Darren, what would you add there? Yeah, one thing I would just clarify, you, you talked about cost of funds. So that really is what that cost of debt is from the funding bank. So what is that true debt cost us? So that's our baseline, then profit. And then the other expenses I described earlier, then profits on top of that. Um, for, for each of those business units, we also, from more of a macro level on the, the finance team, we also look at our financial plan. We create that. We do you know updates. Each, um, each month on where are, we, where are we at from plan to actual. And the reason I bring that up is those business units, we have to look at them a little bit differently of what that product looks like, that product mix, what will the market um, take for a pricing option? So we have to look at those a little bit differently and the different economics of what does it cost to underwrite or uh, to approve those credits. Like in AgDirect, a lot of them are auto decision, operating loans, some of them are, some are, are some of them aren't, um, they also take, you know, maybe take more touches and more time to underwrite them. So we have to take all that into consideration about what do we need to charge to cover the operational cost of those different types of loans and those different products, and then the profit spread on top of those. Gotcha. So if I understand it right, we still, uh, even with all our different products, um, there's some different things that go into the rates, but at the end of the day, they're still getting funded in the same way where, I mean, the same process from uh, funding banks to selling the bonds to, you know, us getting, um, you know, the money in the customer's pocket. That stays the same. It's just kind of, you know, we need to account for uh, uh, different things for each loan and where we get the final price on that. Is that correct? That is correct. So while talking about all our different products and, and interest rates and everything, uh, could you uh, touch on, you know, fixed versus variable? Um, we've talked a lot about, you know, uh, our fixed rates up to this point. Could you kind of touch on the differences there? And then also maybe uh, with the majority of our line of credits being on variable rates, um, how line of credit funding works, you know, uh, where our customers have an X amount uh, uh, limit on their line of credits. Um, how do you guys calculate usage and and how much money we need to set aside for that and, and what goes into those decisions? Something that not not everyone realizes with our lines of credit is that whether it's priced as variable or fixed to the customer, um, we actually fund them with variable funding. Um, so that's kind of a distinction. We get a question sometimes, can we rate lock 
this fixed rate on a line of credit, and we actually can't because it's funded with variable funding. And as far as the usage assumption, uh, we assume 60% usage. Uh, so when we talk about some of um, the budget notes, so if they're not revolving, that's why not all of the fixed rate options are available because those are actually fully funded instead of closer to that 60%. That didn't answer the fixed versus variable though. What, what do we want to talk about there? Yep. Okay. So on the fixed piece, um, you know, a lot of a lot of times people might think, you know, it's a 20-year fixed real estate loan that we just go get 20-year funding. So actually we have to look at the cash flows of that account. So they're going to pay so much in year one, year two, year three. So the funding banks and the funding, funding banks will actually look at and get strips of uh, different bonds for those different years. So we'll have a little bit of 20-year, 19-year, 18-year, all the way back down to one-year bonds that fund that cash flow for that account. So you know that's why the, the, each one of those is going to have a different cost to them based upon the yield curve or you know, that cost of debt for that different tenor, that different year. And then they'll, you know, we'll blend that together, and that's actually how we get that that marginal cost of debt. Here's what that cost is, based upon those different strips of debt instruments. And that's why, for example, if we have an interest-only loan, or you might call it a bullet, you might hear that. Um, that's why that has such a different funding cost. Is that since the bank is looking at the cash flows, if there's no principal being repaid until the end of that fixed rate term. That's why it's a little bit more expensive is because they're basing that funding off of the cash flows. I was going to say, as far as the variable funding, the banks use um, pooled funding for that. So they're looking at different products in the marketplace like SOFR, um, 30-day discount note, treasuries, prime. Well, that's that's interesting. I'd always wondered on those interest-only loans, you know, what, what the reason behind it on why we have to request uh you know, pricing on those. And, and no, that makes perfect sense. Do you guys, I think I'd heard one time that, you know, uh, 90 some percent of our loans actually, you know, never make it to maturity. They're generally paid off earlier. Does that uh, uh, go into effect, you know, or maybe we uh, put more emphasis up front because we know they're going to have it, you know, the first five, 10, 15 years, but most of those 30 year loans actually don't make it to uh the final payment 30 years down the road, you know, they're usually paid off before that. Does, does that come into effect at all? Or is that uh, not something we take into effect or account on the uh, uh, pricing? Probably the way I'd answer that is, you know, a lot of our loans are really that IFR product, that interim fixed period. So maybe amortized over 20 or 30 years, but it's really going to come up for um, a new pricing option at year five or seven. A lot of customers take that because what you just described they don't know if they'll have that loan that long that long or they want the optionality so yeah it may on a 5 year ifr mm -hmm. after 5 after the year 5 it's going to roll to variable unless they do something so that helps a lot of a lot of what you're asking um, agribank and cobank on their alm side that i mentioned earlier their asset liability management that's where that kind of comes into play they'll they'll look at those type of different scenarios payoff rates of different products and that helps them determine, you know, really on that 20 or 30 year note, do they need to purchase 30 year strip, 29, et cetera? They'll manage that more on their end. Okay, gotcha. So that we kind of get the, uh, they do all the hard work for us, I guess. Yes, that's why don't we are not here at eight o'clock at night sending, <laughs> sending out the rate sheets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and also another, another thing that kind of plays into that is our improved spreads. So 
um, not necessarily in this rate environment, but uh, when conditions are more favorable for the borrower and for our associations, if we can um, convert their rate and they'll see a benefit and we'll see a benefit, then those can convert before their maturity also. To get off maybe uh, the hard-hitting questions and, and have uh, the listeners learn a little bit more about you guys personally, I think we'll uh, hop into some rapid-fire questions and uh, don't think too much about them. Just uh, go with whatever pops in your mind first. So, And you guys can both both answer them, whoever wants to start. But uh, one of my favorite questions, being a, a financer of agriculture and uh, you know a lot of cattle producers out there, I always like to ask, uh, how do you prefer your cook steak or your steak cooked? Medium rare. Mm, medium. I'd say I'd, both good answers. I was uh, maybe going to pick a fight if one of you guys had said well done with that's ketchup. Gross. Oh, so. that's terrible. <laughs> how do you like it cooked? I'm, I'm a medium rare, maybe even on the rare side, if uh, depending on the place and, and cut a steak maybe. But what uh, what is your guys' favorite season of the year? Fall. I think I'd have to agree with you there. Yep. Football season. That makes three of us. So, alrighty. Then Italian or Mexican food? You can only have one for the rest of your life. Mexican. Mobian. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, kind of fun one that relates to work. What is the highest rate exception you've ever approved or have seen? I'm letting you take this one, Darren. Probably the way I'd answer it really wasn't a number, but it was more of had to do some rate exceptions that put us in a negative spread scenario. So we are actually losing money on the loan. That's very rare, but I have had to do that. Gotcha. Well, hopefully we don't uh, have too many of those instances. What is your favorite song of all time? That is very specific. <laughs> or if that's, I was going to say, or... Uh, what's your favorite uh, music genre? My my, this comes across probably a lot of people know who they are or didn't realize I'm that weird, which I am. Is Tool, love the band Tool. Okay, I'm not familiar with those. What what are they? Uh, what kind of genre are they, Darren? It's a kind of a dark heavy rock. It's, most of their songs are like over ten minutes long. <laughs> oh, oh, no way! Yeah. Oh man. Uh, hmm. I can answer it for Abby. Okay. The Black Crows. <laughs> oh yeah, I do like the Black Crows. Yes. Yeah. Another great band. There you go. I like that answer. I've heard of those guys before. So, all right. Well, maybe this one will be a little easier on you guys. Since uh, are you guys night owls or early birds? And I guess since you're not staying in the office till eight, sending sending the pricing sheet. Um, maybe you guys aren't night owls, but. I would say I'm more often an early bird, but sometimes, sometimes it flips and I'm a late owl. I am definitely an early bird. I'll get up early, get into work, get it done. Alrighty. And then if you guys could have one superpower, what would it be? Flying. Superman rocks. Hmm. I feel like I should make it something about pricing, but, um, uh, <laughs> The superpower to always have the lowest rates in the market. <laughs> and also the highest spreads. I wish spreads. I had that one. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say, I don't want to say invisibility. I think super speed. Perfect. 
no, I think both those are are good. Um, that's always a tough one for me. It's like I'd I'd want more than one, but uh, um, yeah, for right now with the a rate environment, I'd just settle for yeah low rates. So, <laughs> alrighty, kind of a, a hot topic uh, that we'll be here and here in the next couple months. When is the appropriate time to start playing Christmas music? Oh, it got controversial. Oh man, I think not until after Halloween. After Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's why I'm usually in the Thanksgiving boat. I think the, you know, Friday after Thanksgiving, open it up, but anything before there might be a little early. So I walked in our closing pod the other day, the other day uh, in July, I think it was, and they were already playing Christmas music. So that one might take the cake. <laughs> yeah, my wife will start watching Christmas movies in October and I'm like, no. It, Thanksgiving, we got to stop. All this stuff's already out at Costco, right? Now. Alrighty. Would you guys rather uh, have a quick phone call or communicate via text? Text. For personal text, for work, a call. Oh yeah. Good answer. I'm sorry. I think that's a a good way to put it there, and I guess I didn't thought about it that way. But when you say it that way, I, I would agree. This episode's podcast ponder question is What has been your favorite vacation of all time? Or any places any of the listeners need to to hit up or see? I'd say this summer was was probably our best family vacation. We went to the Pacific Northwest. So we went to Seattle, we went up to Vancouver. Um, there's a lot of great national parks and beaches to see. That was our family's all time favorite. Yeah, this same here. This summer we went to uh, Glacier National Park, and that was that was just beautiful. It's so surreal. Um, way down from a glacier lake, we actually saw a, a grizzly bear, and not only did we see it, but he he was skiing down some snow. Like he went and got on the snow and just slid down half of the mountain. So that was pretty cool. Um, then then for more like just my wife and I, we t- tried to go to like an all inclusive resort. You know, been to like Punta Cana, the Bahamas. Those are you, you just can't beat that time away. Yeah, it's it's amazing some of those national parks and stuff. It's you you get to see stuff that you know looks like you should be on a postcard or you didn't even realize it possible look like that in real life. Exactly. What about you, John? Uh, I might be a little partial because I just got back on Monday, but uh, we just spent a week up in Canada fishing and uh, kind of like you guys had mentioned, it's you know kind of untouched nature. You know, uh, up there you get off the the resort and on the boat and you get a few miles down the river and all it is is just you know pine trees and uh birch trees and rocks and water and eagles and you know stuff like that you wouldn't even you know there's no no glimpses of you know uh society or anything and you know your phone doesn't work up there or anything so it's kind of you know a nice unplug and uh we had a blast and caught a lot of fish this year so might be a little um bias just because it just happened last week but uh, that was a, a real good one now getting back into you know some more work-related questions what's uh what's just a day in the life of uh abby and darren look like from you know the time uh you guys get to the office to by the time the rate uh rate sheet goes out that night what kind of happens in between there what what are your kind of day-to-day activities Sure. So the finance team works on a rotation. So um, that way 
all the different duties stay fresh in our minds. And so no two days really look alike. In the morning, we get some reports back from both funding banks. And so those kind of alert us if there's any issues with loans or rate locks that have funded overnight. So we're spending time on that, looking at the fees from the funding banks. Um, We're also inputting those large loan pricing requests to the funding banks. Those have some pretty strict timelines. So for example, those have to be input by 10 o'clock in the morning. And then we need to know whether they're moving forward that day by two o'clock or not. So we have kind of some tight timelines to abide by on those. Um, And then we also do um, a Salesforce channel. So we're monitoring that as well as our shared inbox. Uh, Just, we get a lot of various questions in there. So a lot of um, digging in, researching, answering those questions. And then of course, in the afternoon, we get those rates in to review. And then on the side, each of us has different projects that we're working on. And so usually during the day, we have some time that we can kind of sneak in and work on some of those projects also. Yeah, for me, it's definitely each day is different. Um, You know, if there's requests that come through for uh, rate deviation that requires ALCO review, um, that comes to me. Uh, You know, I'll start that process. Code R's, if someone is looking for uh, a waiver of an overdraft over you know those that, that criteria that makes it a code R um, that will come to me to review. Um, and then also on our team we have investments portfolio. So we um, West Drum and our team he looks at a lot of the USDA and SBA investment activity that comes through. He manages that portfolio. So um, you know review some stuff with him. We have you know things I have to sign in those regards when we purchase those investment assets. Uh, then also the like I mentioned earlier the financial plan. Um, we have to do monthly updates on that to see where we're at from actuals to current projections. Um, then there's other month-end reports. There's board reports that we have to provide, policy reports that we monitor and provide. Uh, then different ad hoc requests or special programs. Like right now we're looking at, uh, is there a potential couple program offerings we could roll out in the fall from some different business units? So our team is uh, looking at different rate products, looking at all the, the financial metrics, all the data of what would this do to our financial plan? What, because when you look at our financial plan, the net income number, a lot of it's driven by growth and spread on our products. So based upon any program, what does that look like? And what does the, what does the numbers you know, mean to us as an organization? And that not just in the short term, but the long term as well. So we're, we're constantly you know, doing different types of analysis in that, that regard. Um, I also sit on like our incentive plan work group. I'm on our ALCO work group capital management work group. So just different different um, cross-functional work groups across the associations, I sit on those as well. So it's definitely each day is different, which is, makes it fun. Gotcha. Well, you guys are definitely busy. Uh, I noticed neither of you guys mentioned lunch. So I assume you guys just <laughs> must must work through the entire day there. But <laughs> uh, right now, yeah, it's, it's no lunch. We're actually grilling burgers today as a team. So we haven't done that in a long yeah. time. So uh, we're having burgers here. But um, usually I eat enough, so I don't need lunch. Uh, that that kind of helps my diet, <laughs> my diet a little bit. Gotcha. Well, if I wasn't a few hours away, I'd be uh, slipping down to the the burger bar this afternoon. It's it's happening here in about. As soon as we get done with this um, podcast, we're grilling burgers. Well, uh, Brad might be following you out the door then. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. For for a closing question here for both of you guys. 
Um, with Roots, you know, being the young professional um, ERG in the organization, uh, do you guys have any um, advice for young professionals or or uh, anything that you guys would like to, you know, kind of uh, get out there to our listeners? Anything you wish, uh, or things glad you were glad you did when uh, you guys were just starting in your professional careers or wish you would have done different or or anything you've learned along the way? Yeah, I'll I'll go a couple of things. Um, you know, one is just have that curiosity. Um, like I mentioned earlier in my career, I've, it's been in farm credit, but at different organizations. I started out as a bank examiner, focused on credit risk. I was in, you know, audit and review, leading that. Then I moved to enterprise risk portfolio management. And then two and a half years ago, I moved to finance. Never thought I'd be in that that area. But just having that curiosity and to continue to learn will will definitely do you well. Uh, in, if, even if you stay in the same career or same area, things are changing so fast that you have to keep up understanding what's going on in the in the market or in that spe, you know that specialty area. Skill sets have to change and evolve. So just continue to have that curiosity to, to continue to learn is huge. Um, reading, I, I'm a firm believer of reading books, listening to podcasts, because uh, there's always something to learn. Um, find something that interests you. If you're reading a book, it doesn't. You don't like it. It's boring. Put it down. There's too many books to torture yourself. So be be a learner. Be a reader. I think that's highly important. Um, and th- and then just um, find a mentor. I think that's huge. Uh, also, being being a mentor for something as you get a little bit um, you know longer in your career is highly important as well. But having that mentor that um, that you could work with to challenge you, to give you feedback or uh, advice, I think is huge. Um, I always have tried to have someone that maybe not even be in an area that I'm familiar with because they could have just a different viewpoint than you do. So it's not always like if you're in sales, having a sales mentor, maybe someone totally outside that realm that could just really challenge you and help you grow. I think those are all great points, Darren. Do do you have any uh, personal favorites for books or podcasts or anything that... uh, you'd recommend uh, over others? Uh, one of my favorite authors is Patrick Lencioni. He does a lot of uh, leadership type books, but he writes them as a fable. So it's a story telling what he's trying to get across and they're just a super easy read. And partly I just need easy books, but but no, he, the way he, he has a, such a unique writing style that it really engages you. And then at the end of it, there's really, that's where the meat comes out of it. But it's one that it's just highly engaging, and he has a, you know, death by meeting. He has uh, five dysfunctions of a team, which we've read as a as a team ourselves. Um, but yeah, he's he's just a really awesome author, and he also has some podcasts as well. I'd agree there. Definitely easier to get into a book when there's a you know story or something behind it compared to just uh, list of a bunch of facts and uh, you know less textbook like. Uh, how about you, Abby? Uh, any advice uh, for young professionals? Sure. Yeah, I just encourage teammates to um, get involved. If they see a class that we offer that interests them or if there's an ERG or a group that they could join, I just really encourage them to take that opportunity, even if it's outside their direct area, and also just to build those relationships across the association. Um, I've just noticed in my time at the associations that people move around a lot. You'll get a chance to work with people in a different role perhaps. And so just really building those relationships and focusing on um, interactions with others, I think is really beneficial. And one thing I'd add to it, um, a lot of times when I'm 
when I'm learning or working with a mentor or mentoring someone or you know talking with someone, I really like to to bring up a lot of this. You actually should get just as much, or if not more, on your personal life than work. So the time you invest in this, it's really more about the way I like to look at it. It's about you as a person. How do you grow as a person? How do you become more about who you want to be? And then at then the work piece, that's just gravy. Um, so I really like to make sure people think about that way, and that's really worked well for me in my life. I think those are all really great points, and I think uh, a lot of things our, our listeners can uh, take and, and put into their work and personal lives. Well, Darren and Abby, thank you for joining our conversation for this month's Strengthen Your Roots podcast and sharing more about the farm credit funding system. Um, it's been a pleasure to learn more about both you guys and your teams. For any questions, comments, feedbacks, or ideas for future podcasts, please email dollar sign roots. And don't forget to engage with us on Yammer with our podcast ponder question from today's episode for a chance to win some Roots swag. Thanks, everyone, and have a great day. Thank you for joining us on Strengthen Your Roots. We hope you'll join us again on our next episode.